Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. We are so glad that you are here with us today. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And today we are in part two of our message series called Clarity. And in this series, we have been looking at the letter of Colossians uh, because some have said that it is the most important letter that the Apostle Paul has written. And the reason that they say that it's one of the most important letters is that it gives us a picture of exactly who Jesus is and it gives us the clarity in how we should live. And who doesn't need clarity in these days? I mean, we are bombarded with tons of messages that cause confusion and seem to contradict each other. Uh, Someone will say, you know, that this is important. And then someone else will come along and say, no, this is important. And uh, every day we seem like there is something that is more important to our lives and how we should live. And uh, so... Um, in this series, we are checking out the big kind of idea for this series is that God wants me to have clarity in the midst of my confusion. And last week, uh, Brian did, who was our guest speaker, did an amazing job of uh, showing us that Jesus is enough to bring us clarity in the midst of our confu- uh, confusion. And so if you missed last week, I highly encourage you to check out our podcast. Now, uh, do me a favor. uh, By a raise of hands, how many of you have ever uh, read at least one book of the Bible? Raise your hands. All right, don't be shy. There we go. Hey, I know there's a lot of people in the room. Uh, Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever studied or researched at least one book of the Bible? Raise your hand. Hey, a good number of you. Okay. Now, the reason that I ask you that question is that normally we speak from a topic uh, in the Bible, Uh, but during this series, we are going to be studying an entire book of the Bible. And if you are new to Bible study, you might just be surprised of how much God can speak to us in a letter that was written uh, to people who were alive almost 2,000 years ago, and yet this letter can still speak to us today and was written for us today. And so whether you are checking out this whole God thing or you have done many different Bible studies, God wants to speak to us today. He has something that he wants to say that he has written down for us and he took great care to write those things down. So we've got a lot of ground to cover because we're going to be going through Colossians 2. So we're going to dive right on in. So if you have a Bible or a smartphone device, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, always feel free to have one from the back as our gift to us. But go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. It's about four-fifths of the way into your Bible uh, near the end, and it's a small little letter, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, I'm going to give you a little more background information than I normally do because we're in a Bible study uh, this morning, and so I'm going to pause and tell you some background information that is so important. The reason I always pause to do that is that when you dive into a passage, it's extremely important to know the historical context of which it is written. And so that means that we need to know why it is written. We need to know uh, whom it was written to. We need to know whom it was written by and what they were facing uh, during their circumstances when we study. And without doing that as part of our Bible study, uh, we can get into some real confusion uh, or it can potentially uh, cause us to misinterpret some of the things that we are studying. 
Now, another reason that we do this when we study the Bible as well is that it gives us the evidence and proof that we need to hear because all of us are doubters. And so when we dive in, we see how much it is uh, in history that these things happened. And then also it gives us the confidence and clarity in what we are studying and to know what to believe and then also how we should live. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, Who wrote the letter of Colossians? Who was it? Paul, there you go. See, you already know Bible study. Look how easy that is. All right. Now, the reason... Uh, the Paul is called the Apostle Paul, is that he was sent by Jesus. He was commissioned by Jesus to go and tell everyone who was not Jewish about what Paul had seen and heard. Now, what had Paul seen and heard? Well, before Paul became a Christ follower, he was kind of like this up-and-coming rock star or superstar uh, amongst the ranks of the Jewish religious leaders. And as Christianity began to take off, um, After the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, Paul was sent to deal with these Christians. And so he hunted down these Christians to kill them. And all of a sudden, Paul runs into Jesus, who physically appeared before him. And so Paul saw the resurrected Jesus, and it changed his life. He went from hunting Christians to becoming a Christ follower, and he became hunted. And the reason that it changed his life is he met the risen Savior. And so he was bold in telling everyone about Jesus and about seeing the risen Savior because it was something that happened. It was an event that happened in his life. Now, Paul, he had been beaten multiple times because of this. He had been shipwrecked in his travels. Um, He had been almost killed by those who did not like Jesus. And so Paul, at this point in his life, is writing this letter of Colossians, actually from prison in Rome, and he's writing it to a church of Christ followers who are in the city of Colossae. And so as you can see on the map uh, in that red circle, Colossae is in about the middle of that, and it's in modern-day Turkey. And Paul is writing from Italy, from Rome, and he sent couriers. We know the couriers they sent. He puts them in there so people could double-check. These are actual people, actual names, actual cities, actual places that happened. Things that are written in these accounts describe what archaeologists have found in those cities. And so... um, The reason that it's also important that we're studying this letter, and especially to know that Paul is writing this from prison, is this. You see, our past and our current circumstances will never limit God. And when we know Paul's story, God overcame Paul's disbelief. He overcame his murderous ways. He overcame... uh, prison walls and cells to use Paul. So if Paul can be used by God, God wants to use you and he wants to use me as well. Now, the reason he's writing this letter is that he wants to help protect the Christians who are in the city of Colossae and other cities around that area from people who were trying to say that they were in the know of, with God 
that they knew more information about God. And so some people were coming along and saying that you have to have this higher or deeper knowledge, which was causing tons of confusion and division amongst them. And so Paul was concerned for them because he wanted to bring clarity and show with clarity what the true teachings of Jesus are. And so today, that can help us as well. It can help us to avoid the trappings of what we get into, and we'll get into this today, of religion. Because there's so many trappings in that, and I'll unpack that as we go through. And it will also show us how to live as Jesus has done so much for us. So let's pick up in Colossians chapter 2. And uh, Paul, he's kind of putting a little conclusion to chapter one at the the start of chapter two in these initial verses. He says, I want you to know how much I have agonized or been torn up thinking and praying for you or what's been happening to you. So Paul's not there, but he has heard about this new and bogus teaching and how much it's causing confusion and division amongst them. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you, the church in Colossae, and for the church in Laodicea, a place just north of them, and for many other believers who have never met me personally, and that includes all of us. I want them all Christ followers, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Not like division. He can't stand division. I want all Christ followers to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which has been revealed, which is in Christ himself. In him, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Now, if you think Paul is fired up and passion, he is. He's built an entire chapter to this point, and he is telling them, listen, listen. And so we all know what that's like. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, don't get mama in bear mode, right? You know, I mean, don't mess with mama bear, And so Paul right here, he's kind of like in lion mode, okay? And if you don't know what lion mode is, you know, us dads, we kind of get bad raps for kind of like laying around, watching TV, and, uh, you know, looking like we're kind of lazy, you know? But here's what we're really doing. You know what we're doing besides working kind of like on our dad bod physiques? Um, We're storing up energy. That's what we're doing, okay? Because have you ever seen a lion in action? A lion will tear you up, okay? And that's what Paul wants to do to these two groups, specifically two groups that are infiltrating the church and spreading these new teachings that are not real and that are bogus and that are causing tons of confusion. And so you've got one camp that is saying that you have to have this special knowledge. And Paul says, hey, if anybody ever comes to you and says that you have to have special knowledge or that you have to have uh, something that is this special vision that has been given to you or this special gift or anything like that, it's wrong. It causes division. It causes confusion. Or there was this other camp, and they were going around and saying, you know what? Jesus, his death on the cross to pay for our sins was not enough because Jesus was not fully God and not fully human. Or they were saying, you know what? In order to have a right standing with God, you have to do more. 
because Jesus wasn't enough. So you have to follow this new rule or this new thing. And, and so they were saying that as well. And Paul is saying, watch out. He's saying, watch out for those claiming to have insider knowledge or you will be trapped. Because in Jesus, you have everything you need to live the life that God wants you to live. You don't need something else. You don't need to attain anything else. It's all been given to you. And you're gonna hear him repeat this because he's passionate about these things. So he's gonna unpack it. So let's see how he unpacks this and how we can stand against these threats. So he finishes the chapter or in, of one in verse five and then he sets up the next section. Verse five, for though I am far from you, my heart is with you. And then he begins the next section. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. I mean, I'm glad that so many of you are not trapped in these phony teachings and that you have stuck to what I first told you about, which is the good news of Jesus and that you're rooted in that knowledge and when you came to become a Christ follower. But here's how you access everything that's been given to you. Okay, And this is so important for our walks. This next verse is probably one of the most important verses that we need to know. And so let's say it together. Verse six, together. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Okay, I know you're the morning crew. Let's get our coffee going, all right? Let's say it one more time together. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Now, here is why this verse is so important. Now, I don't know about you, but for so long, I tried to live the Christian life by thinking that, it, that God was supposed to get me to this place of salvation, and then it was up to me to live out my faith. I thought, you know, um, I have to pray. I have to read the Bible. I have to behave this certain way. You know, it's all on me. It's up to me. And so, uh, but yet I kept failing. I kept failing at the Christian life and it was discouraging. And so the Christian life is not Christ and me. It is Christ in me. And when I learned that, it made all the difference. Christ doesn't bring us to salvation and then leave us. We are supposed to live this life in Christ. And Paul spends so much time in this passage, and you'll see in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And I'll explain what that means. So let me start to break this apart. How did we receive Christ? Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and this is so important. This is how we began our faith in him. For it is by grace, that's God's goodness and his love, you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so you began this relationship by putting your faith in Christ and that he had died on the cross for your sins, he had been buried, he came back to life from the grave so that he could overcome all of our sins. You put your faith in what he did. In Christ, you put your faith. And so if we didn't get Christ by our own efforts, then we are not to live this Christian life through our efforts as well, our own efforts. And so we walk today just like we began this relationship with Jesus. 
It's through grace by faith. So it's not like this. It's not like, okay, God, you know, this morning I wake up and it's up to me to live this Christian life. When we live in faith, when we live in Christ, we wake up and said, we say, God, help me to begin to talk to you. Help me to get into your word today through your power and through your love. God, would you make me the person that you want me to become as I read your word? Would you whisper into my ear? God, would you give me your eyes and your ears to see what you want me to do today? God, would you lead my life today? That's how we live in him. That's living in faith. And we're to do that each and every day. And Paul continues to unpack this. Verse seven, he says, let your roots grow down into him. And the way that we grow our roots down to, into him is by speaking with him each and every day through prayer. We study his words so that we can know him because it's a relationship. And he echoes things into our hearts as we read. And we memorize scripture so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to our minds in moments where we need clarity, where there is confusion and we need direction in those moments. And so as we begin to root ourselves in him on a daily basis, then our lives begin to be transformed and we look more like Jesus in his words and in his actions. And so that's why Paul says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And this is how our life overflows. The reason that some of you are here today is that this explains this. You met someone that you saw in life who was going through something that should have taken their legs out from underneath them, but it didn't. And the reason you're here today is because you saw something in their life that you didn't have. You saw them not give up on life. You saw them have um, not give up in God. And so when you saw that, the reason Paul would say, you saw someone who was rooted in Jesus's life, in his words and in his actions. And Paul would say, it's possible for all of us to be like that, not just some of us, which some of these other teachers were trying to say that some of us will only get there. All of us can lay roots in him. And so again, Paul, he loves to repeat truths. If you think he's like a you know, machine that just keeps on repeating, it's like, I've heard that, I've heard that, he keeps on drilling, okay? And so he repeats these truths because he's passionate and he does not want us, especially in this context, to get trapped by these uh, false religions. So he comes back to this trap again. Don't let anyone, verse eight, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So he's asking, how do you recognize <clears throat> such people? Okay, Because it's gonna be through a person. And fortunately, these teachings will come from probably someone that you know and you respect and they, have, and they start to begin to say, you know what, you need something else. You need to have this in order to attain this knowledge or to attain this level. 
Now, uh, this is kind of bad, uh, but before I became a pastor, let me tell you something I did, true confession, okay? So I was leading this Bible study one time with these three guys who are Christ followers, and one of them was really new to the faith. Uh, He was a new Christ follower, and his name was Brad. And uh, after meeting for a long time, uh, Brad was going to be late that night, and I knew that. And so I thought to myself, because I kind of like to have fun, okay? I thought to myself, you know what, guys? Here's what we need to do tonight. When Brad comes in tonight, we need to convince him that tonight he has to make a decision to be like one of us and to join us, or he's done with the group, okay? I know it sounds kind of cultish, but, you know, just having a little fun there. You know, it's amazing Trent ever hired me. But uh, anyways, so... Sure enough, Brad comes along, and uh, the guys agree to it, and he comes in, and the conversation turns serious. And I was just going to let it go for a little bit, but these other guys, I mean, they took it, like, very hardcore and serious, and they were good. I mean, they almost, like, convinced me, you know? And Brad was starting to be convinced as well. And then we all just started busting out laughing, you know, and Brad finally caught on and everything, and we just had a good time of laughing and everything. But see, that's how it happens so easily. Unfortunately, it's probably someone that you know who will teach something false, who will come along and sound so good and sound like, I'm missing that. I need that in my life. And so if there's ever someone who comes along and says, you need some kind of special knowledge or you need some kind of gift or you need some kind of experience because you're missing out in life, that's not true. And that's why Trent and I always say, you know what? Don't believe us. You do the work. You go study your Bible. You find out on your own. You do the research to find out the truth. If they aren't saying that and they say only special people have this certain knowledge and only this category by itself, then that's not true. And that's what Paul's warning us. And he puts it like this. This is what he says. He kind of says it with this line of thought. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. And so you also are complete through your union with Christ. So if Christ has all the fullness of knowledge and wisdom, and you have Christ as well, then you are complete. And so Paul is saying that all of us who are in Christ Jesus lack nothing. Now, we need to dig some roots into him, but we have access to God who will bring clarity as we live in him in our daily circumstances. So as we put our roots down in him, he will give us the guidance that we need because he alone is our leader who has given us everything that we need in him because he doesn't try to hold that over our heads. He's like, here it is but we need to find out. So then Paul reminds us of Christ's power and he nails this kind of home. He wants us to remember uh, how powerful Jesus is. Verse 11, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Men, aren't you glad? I'm glad. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. So the old way of how you used to live is done away with before is done. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. 
And with him, you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so we have been given a new life, a new way to live. There's no secret code, okay? It's living in Christ, which is possible because it's possible for all of us to do each day. And it's possible because of what Christ has done. And here is what he's done for us when we entered into a relationship with him. Verse 13, you were dead because of your sins. That's what sin does, okay? It killed our relationship with God. We were dead spiritually. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave, and what's that next word? What is it? Louder? All. All All our sins. All our sins. A professor told me, what does all mean? All means all. Nothing more. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, the ones who would shame us or guilt us, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, that's a mouthful, okay? So what does that mean? All right, I'm going to get real practical. It means that God took everything that was written against us, all of our sins, and he nailed them to the cross, and all is gone. All of our sins are gone. It is finished. All of our sins have been canceled. And the reason all is forgiven is because Jesus paid the price for all of our sins with his blood. It cost him everything. It cost him his life. And so when you put your faith in Jesus and enter into a relationship with him, your sins are canceled. You have a right standing with God. It's not going to get any better. And as we've learned, we have been given everything we need. There's nothing more that needs to be attained, okay? Just live by faith now. So verse 16, Paul says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Don't let them come up with other rules or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Don't let them give you more stipulations for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. You see, our new reality is that we have become a Christ follower. Our internal life has changed. We've been given a new life, a new nature in him, and he has changed us from the inside out. And so as we grow uh, in Christ, our lives are changed from the inside out because of his power. And so I never told Brad... um, that he had to stop like drinking or partying and uh, sleeping with women, which was some of the things that he couldn't believe. And then he was like, well, what's next, you know? And that's why I came up with the idea of, hey, let's just kind of have a little fun with him, you know? And so God did that in his life. As he started to root into Christ, God was the one who changed him from the inside out. And today I still have a relationship with Brad and he is happily married because he rooted himself in Christ and God changed him from the inside out. 
So when someone tries to say that you have to turn this certain knowledge, you know, it's, and it's got a mark of religion, okay? And here's what religion does. Religion always focuses on the external to try to change the internal. Let me say that again. Religion always focuses on the external to try to change the internal. And so those who live by religion will always say, you know what, you need to attain this. You need to have this certain knowledge. You need to behave like this. You need to have this special inside information. And so all that does, it gets us stuck. It gets us confused. It makes it feel like it's impossible to live by that standard. And this is what we need to know. It's not about what you're doing. It's what's been done for you. Christ has done everything for us. I find my standing and my forgiveness in God. It's done. And now I can live in him and move forward. And so he made me a new person so that he's given me now the power to live in him. So Paul kind of puts this wrapping on this and he drives home this point again at the end of chapter two. And so let's finish up in this passage of chapter two, verse 19. For he, Jesus, holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? You see, when we enter into a relationship with God, our debt is canceled and we have peace with God. We have peace with him. And so God gives us everything in his son and he doesn't hold anything above our heads to kind of drag us along or to say, come on, keep on coming. You're not quite there yet. And so he never does anything out of guilt or shame. Religion makes us feel guilty and shame, and that's not love, okay? And so um, let me put it like this. Let me illustrate like this. So there are two boys who wanted to mow the lawn for their fathers who would mow on a regular basis, and um, both of them wanted to do their best job, okay? And one of the boys, he always tried his best, but it wasn't good enough. And the father was always telling him that he's not doing a good job and that he's not doing enough. He always added more rules and stipulations. The boy would ask for help. Instead of helping him, he would just say, you need to do this. You need to do that. And he would just critique him. And he would just say to his son, son, you know, you just need to keep trying harder. And maybe one day, maybe one day you'll get there and you'll please me. And then there was a son of another father. And when he got out there, he wanted to do his best. And he mowed as if he were mowing the lawn of the White House. It was always, he gave his best. Because his father always said to him, I love you. I love you. You're doing an amazing job. And so as the son mowed the lawn and the father was watching, um, you know, Sure enough, the kid would slip up and mess up and the, the, the son would come to him and he said, you know what, I love you because you're my son. And that will never change. And the son asked him, you know, would you help me? And the father, sure enough, slowed down and stopped and said, absolutely. Let me give you clarity and let me show you and I'll do it with you. That's what love is, okay? 
So maybe you've been duped into thinking that you have not attained enough, you know? That you have to keep on working for God's favor. Maybe you thought that Christianity is Christ and me instead of Christ in me. And Paul would want to say to all of us today with clarity this, that Christ's work is enough. It's finished. And he gives you everything that you need to live this life. And so don't be trapped by the things that make us feel shame or guilt, but let's turn to the one who loves us and gives us clarity as we turn to him and he helps us to live because of his great love. And so how do we avoid these traps in our lives? Well, just as we covered today, it is, um, just think about when you came to Christ, it was by faith. And so we are continue, continue to live by faith each day and we turn to Jesus to do that and we ask him for his help because he's given us the power to do that. And so I wanna get real practical. How do we do that? Well, it's what we've, I've already said today. You just begin with simply waking up each day and you turn to him and you start to speak to him and that's talking to him through prayer. And then you begin to read his word and you get to know who he is. And you begin to memorize some scripture that is like, you know, I need to hear that. I need to be reminded of that. And where's that coming from? It's coming from the Holy Spirit who at some point probably use it in your life to give you clarity and direction that you need in that moment. And as we root ourselves in him, as we put ourselves in him, then he will transform our lives to look more like Jesus' life in our words and in our actions. And as we spend time with him on a daily basis, then he changes us. And he changes us so that this truth gets deep down into our hearts so that when there's a trap of false uh, teaching, we will be able to recognize it. That's how he protects us because he never wants to do, us to do anything out of shame or guilt. He loves us. He gives us everything we need. All we have to do is tap into him. And so today on the Spiritual Growth Challenge, I've given you uh, how to have a quiet time with God each day. Maybe some of you don't know what that is. Maybe you've never done that before, but it's just simply how do you begin to have a conversation with God? How do you get into the word? How do you uh, be able to memorize scripture? And it's real simple, okay? And so I put that on the spiritual growth challenge. If you've never had a quiet time, then start. Maybe some of you, you have, but you're just not in a season right now um, where you've been doing that consistently. Get back into that consistency with God. Maybe you're going through something that you need clarity in that moment. Then keep spending more time with him. And so some of you, maybe you're checking out God and you're like, this is new to me. Many people, when they started to follow Jesus, they didn't have the clarity and they just started to follow him, listen to him and speak to him and ask their questions. And so I would encourage you to start to do that as well. Follow that quiet time. Begin to get in the word and follow him. Let him speak to your heart. Let him talk to you. Begin to speak and follow him because he will give us the clarity that we are seeking in life. And so today, this is what we're gonna do. In a moment, we're gonna close in prayer. And during that prayer, I want you to begin to speak to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I need your power to help me to get into uh, just this daily routine 
of growing and putting my roots in you, of speaking to you, of getting into your word and memorizing scripture so that I can be grounded in you. And maybe you've done that before, but you've just never done it in him and in his power that he's given to you. And so today, would you simply say, God, I've been trying to do it myself. Would you help me? And this is what we'll find. We will find that Christ lives in us and that he gives us his power to do that. And he doesn't want us to be trapped in religion. He wants us to be trapped in the one who loves us so much. That's what he has done for us. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the richness of your word and the words that you've written to us. God, it's amazing that you wrote these things so many years ago, not only for that audience, but for us. And as we dig into knowing who you are, it's amazing how our doubts go away, our confusion. You give us the confidence. You give us the clarity that we need in our lives because you love us. What you did was enough. Nothing needs to be added. And you are cheering us on when we stumble and when we fall. And you are saying, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. And I will help you when we turn to you. So Father, thank you so much for this time this morning. And God, as we uh, sing this song to you, God, may we sing it out of praise. Help us to get into your word and help us to live in you. And so, Father, we thank you so much. And we want to echo these things out to you today, the truths that you have brought into our lives and brought us today. In Jesus' name, amen.